this week on Hope for the Broken. We often get discouraged by the challenges of life. When things don't go our way, when life throws us a curveball, we often get down on it. But listen, our plans are not always God's plans, but God's plans always work out better than man's plans. See, we don't need God to change our circumstances, but rather we should understand our circumstances are a part of His plan. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called Made New. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part five titled, A New Plan. We are in the middle of a teaching series that we've entitled Made New as we're working our way through the New Testament book of Ephesians. So I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. We're going to work our way through verses 1 through 13 here this morning. And we've been studying uh, this, this book. It's a fascinating book and it's a powerful book. But one of the major themes in this book is the idea of new life found in Christ and how our new life, how we've been made new, changes absolutely everything. And so we've taken a look so far at our new identity that is in Christ, the fact that we have a new focus uh, through the tool of prayer. And we've also taken a look at the fact that we have new life, that we move from death to life because of Jesus, and that we belong to a new body of believers as a result of the personal work of Jesus. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a new plan, a new plan as we work through verses 1 through 13 today. I have a question for each of us here this morning. Uh, this is this is called All Skate, so we all get to participate. And uh, so how many of you would say that when you were dreaming about how your the plan of your life would pan out, that reality is somewhat different than what you thought from the beginning? How many of you guys would say that? Okay. I think all of us, to some degree, would say, you know what? Life just didn't plan out the way we always thought. When I was a teenager and I first started thinking about what is my future going to be like or what am I going to do with my life, the furthest thing from my mind was ministry. And then whenever I was called to ministry, I thought that I would be a career student minister. Now, I spent 16 years doing student ministry, and so in a lot of ways, that is a career. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, like with the wind chill factor, that's a lot of years, you know? And, and so uh, so we did that. Never did I think that I would pastor a church. I just never thought that that was in the cards for me, let alone find myself in Mount Pleasant, Texas. My, the only thing I knew about Mount Pleasant was in 1995, my senior year of high school, they got eliminated from the baseball playoffs and we went on to win state championship that year. That's the only thing I remember. And I realized for some of you, that's too soon, right? It's been like 30 years almost, uh, but it's still too soon. Uh, gosh, that just dated me. Wow, 30 years almost uh, since, that, since that time of my life. 
Uh, uh, how many of you in thinking about life, you thought, you know what I would really like to do is live through a worldwide pandemic? How many of you thought, you know, you're studying all the plagues of history and you're going, man, I really want to endure that. Never. That was not in our plans. And even in the midst of COVID, it, it seemed like plans changed daily. Right? It's like you'd wake up and you say, I got to figure out a new plan here as we, we approach this, especially trying to lead a church through that. It was the great author Robert Burns that once said, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. <laughs> While the plans of mice and men don't always pan out, the thing that we're going to learn today is that God's plans always do. God's plans always pan out. And when we talk about a new plan, what I mean is this, is it's not a new plan in terms of God's overarching plan for the world. His plans don't change. He's an unchanging God. He's perfect. He sees the, the end from the beginning and, and everything in between. And so his plans don't change. But what changes and what makes it new is when we as believers in Jesus Christ, we make a determination to say, I'm going to leave my plans and I'm going to desire to align my life to God's plans. And in that way, it is a new plan for our life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is we see three truths about our new plan in Christ. And so let's begin uh, that discovery by first looking at the fact that God's plan isn't our plan. God's plan isn't our plan. Rarely does our plan line up with God's plan for our lives just perfectly. Now, sometimes it's in the cards or it's in God's will for that to pan out. But most of the time, it's different than what we imagine. You read along in your copy of God's Word as we find that Paul begins to teach this very truth. Verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians 3. Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Now, the phrase to start this off for this reason points back to the end of what we discovered in chapter two. For what reason? Well, for the reason that God was bringing together people of all varying types of backgrounds into one body of Christ. That's why Paul was on the mission that he was on. He felt called to be the missionary to the Gentiles, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And notice what he says. He says, I, Paul, was a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So as Paul writes the, the letter to the, the church in Ephesus that's ultimately intended to be distributed amongst all the other churches in the region, he's writing from prison. He's writing from a jail cell. Why is he in prison? Well, he was arrested on charges brought forth by the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees. The Roman officials actually carried out his arrest and detainment. In Acts chapter 25, we read how Paul actually appealed his uh, sentence to Caesar, but to no avail. And so the fact of the matter is that Paul was a prisoner of Rome by way of Jewish accusation, but that's not how Paul sees it, is it? He doesn't say, I'm a prisoner of Caesar. He doesn't say, I'm a prisoner of Rome. He doesn't say, I'm a prisoner of false accusations. He doesn't even say he's a prisoner of his circumstances. 
Paul identifies as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, from Paul's perspective, he is only imprisoned because God somehow willed that that be the case. He sees it as part of God's overarching plan. Now, certainly being placed in prison was not on Paul's agenda for his life. When he became a believer and began to set out strategic plans in order to take the gospel all over the known world, I promise you spending time in a jail cell was not on that agenda. But Paul's life, his entire life, I would say is a testimony of how our plans are not always in line with God's plans. It was Paul's plan before he was a believer to go and to persecute the church. Remember, he he was setting out to not only arrest these believers, but oversee their killing, that they would be put to death. But it was God's will, it was God's plan that he come to faith in Christ and become the greatest missionary the world has ever known. Once he became a believer, it was Paul's plan to preach the, the gospel to many different locations. But it was in God's plan that he wind up in prison here. Now, I think we would say, why in the world would jail be a part of God's plan? Like a man like Paul, if you could unleash Paul and allow somebody like that to be able to take the gospel all over the world, man, it's just a matter of time before everyone's a believer, right? That's what what we see in our minds. But why would God see it as a part of his plan that he remain in prison? I think there's many different answers to that question, but let uh, let me just say this. Paul, the Apostle Paul, we know authored at least 13 books that are in the New Testament canon. Of those 13 books, 30% of them were written behind bars. So here's my question. If Paul isn't imprisoned, do we even have these letters today to guide us? Or could he possibly be preoccupied with ministry that he never sat down to pen these words? Sure, yes, God's going to bring about his ultimate plan, right? And if it's not Paul writing this, then it's somebody else writing this. But you see my point, right? Like the Jewish religious leaders are like, man, this guy, Paul, I mean, we got to do something. We got to stifle his influence. I know. Let's put him in prison. And, And they thought that they had stifled his influence. But you know what? It was a part of God's plan. They're just carrying out God's plan. The same is true with Jesus. The crucifixion of Jesus was God's plan. It wasn't an, uh uh-oh, what am I going to do now? And so they're carrying out the very plan of God. And certainly prison was not in Paul's agenda. What else about Paul? Paul also encountered danger, hardship. He was assaulted. He experienced pain and ultimately death and martyrdom. I don't think that's on anyone's agenda, is it? That's not the plan that anyone sees for their life, yet God used Paul and his life powerfully. And by looking at it at this perspective, we see why Paul says, and he writes what he writes in verse two. He says that this was the stewardship of God's grace. (laughs) He's in prison writing this letter, and in so doing, he's stewarding the grace of God. 
To steward something means to be a good manager of something. We steward our financial resources. We steward our time. And so Paul is saying that because of God's grace, I'm stewarding this time in this jail cell, encouraging this, the Ephesus church and many others, even to us today. I think it's important for us to understand this in our lives today. We often get discouraged by the challenges of life. When things don't go our way, when, when life throws us a curveball, we often get down on it. But listen, our plans are not always God's plans, but God's plans always work out better than man's plans. See, we don't need God to change our circumstances, but rather we should understand our circumstances are a part of his plan. Yeah, but Pastor Chris, you don't understand the devastating news that has been shared with me. Can I tell you something? It didn't surprise God. You know why it didn't surprise God? Because he's going to use it to bring about his glory and your good. And that's a, that's, a, that's a hope, that's a peace that we as believers in Jesus Christ enjoy. It's the same thing that kept Paul motivated even when he's behind bars in prison. It reminds me of the Old Testament passage, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, which says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The simple conclusion is that God's plan doesn't always line up with our plan, but that's okay because God's plan is always best. The second truth that we see about our new plan is that God's plan is to preach the gospel. It is always within the will of God. It is always a part of God's plan that you and I preach the gospel, that we share the good news that is found in Jesus. And while God does not completely with absolute 100% clarity mark out for us the plan for our lives or his will for our lives, there's a certain element of faith in which we discover that as we are going, we find ourselves in the midst of his will as we're obedient to him. And while he doesn't lay it out in clear clarity, the thing that he does lay out in clarity about each of our lives is that we're to share the gospel, here to preach the gospel. Look at verses four through 10 as we discover this truth. Paul says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which has not been made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are now fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given for what reason? To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There's much here. I want you to bear with me as I unpack this because I think it's very, very powerful for us today. 
Four times in our passage of study today, Paul uses the term mystery. Now, this doesn't mean like mysterious. We have a tendency, I think, to read this and to think it's this mysterious plan of God. No, whenever he uses the word mystery, what it means is something that was unknown is now made known. And so he says, what is the mystery in Christ? The mystery of Christ. That being that that the love of God was completely unknown is now fully revealed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's now made known. So what is this mystery of Christ? A couple of things, I think, that are now made known in Christ. First, the phrase, the mystery of Christ, is better translated as the mystery that is Christ. In other words, it is a mystery to you and me, beloved. It is unknown as to why the God of the universe, whom you and I offended in our sin, would display the greatest act of love by sending his one and only son to die a sinner's death who did not deserve a sinner's death, that by faith in him, we might have a relationship with him. That is a love, beloved, that we will fail to understand this side of glory. There is no way we can begin to comprehend the love of God that is made in that very act. That's a mystery in Christ. But the second aspect to this mystery is that what was once thought to be only for the Jews is now for the entire world, for the Gentiles, to come to salvation in Christ. That's the mystery of the gospel. It unites all people under the banner of Christ into the family of God. Now, another thing that I want us to see in verses four through 10 this morning is in verses seven and then in verse eight. Look at what he says. He says, of this gospel, gospel literally means good news. Of this good news, I was made a minister. And then in verse eight, Paul tells us that his ministry is to preach to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Well, what's the unsearchable riches of Christ? That there is grace and forgiveness in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Now, we know that Paul here is talking about his particular calling, that he is called to be a missionary to the Gentiles. But I think there's a wider interpretation for us here. I want you to follow me. Paul says that according to the gift of God's grace, he was made a minister. You know, I often think that we think that grace only pertains to our salvation, when in fact, grace encompasses so much more than just our salvation. In other words, I need God's grace every day. I need God's grace every hour. And you need God's grace too. But what is God's grace given to us for? What are we saved for? I think that we are saved for a ministry. One commentator I read this week said, the grace of God always brings responsibility. It is never merely a privilege. Wow, I like that. In other words, it was God's grace that brought us to salvation, but it is also God's grace, hear me out, that compels us to tell everybody else. That everyone might come to know God, might come to know Jesus as Lord. 
So if you are in Christ, it is by way of God's grace. And if you've been shown grace, then it is your responsibility to reflect that grace. And in so doing, we become ministers. Did you know that you are a minister of the gospel? It's not my words. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 19, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and check this out, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And he goes on, he says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Beloved, you are a minister. And I said, no, 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 Pastor Chris, you've lost it, right? I'm just a church member. You're the minister, and I give and I come so that you can share the gospel. Oh, that's not what the Bible has to say. No, if you are in Christ, you're a minister of the gospel. You are responsible for sharing the gospel. The work of the ministry cannot be for, quote, the professionals. There are far too many people that are way too far gone and are dying and going to hell that God needs the army of his household to be able to share it with the world, the good news of Christ. Listen, Grace calls us all to the gospel ministry. And the Great Commission sends us all. Not only have you and I been called by God's grace, we've been sent by the Great Commission. That means when you are at work, you are to share the gospel. When you go out to eat this afternoon, you are to share the gospel. When you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you are to share the gospel. It is always in God's plan that we share the good news with everyone. You know, I read a pastor this past week that quoted uh, a devotional, and that devotional said this, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. That's a powerful truth, right? I mean, the church that doesn't share the gospel of Jesus Christ will ultimately wither up and die. Beloved, there is a next generation that is in desperate need of the good news of Jesus Christ. And we are to proclaim it from the mountaintops and wherever we find ourselves that Jesus is Lord and we are to do that until he comes again. That is always in God's plan. Now, I know we're short on time and I still have another point, but I want to I want to point out a couple other things in this section just real quick. I think if you grab a hold of this, it will blow your mind. Okay, it's powerful for me this week. Look at verse eight. Paul says, though I am the very least of all the saints. Now we certainly wouldn't relate, wouldn't rank the apostle Paul as the least among all the saints, wouldn't we? We would put him up at the top, wouldn't we? But that's how he saw himself. I'm the least of all the saints. And this wasn't some false humility that Paul is expressing. No, he's saying, beloved, I'm a sinner. But by the grace of God, I've been redeemed and I've been given the privilege to preach the gospel. The same good news that rescued him, he wants other people to know. 
And by understanding who he is, a sinner, and who God is, it makes his ministry, it fuels him, desiring that all come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I may feel at times like the least of all the saints, but I want you to know something. The same grace of God that rescued the Apostle Paul is the same grace of God that rescues you and I today. And the same God that sent Paul on the mission is the same God that sends us on a mission today. The final thing I want to point out in this section is what Paul says in verse 10. He says, so that through the church, by the way, what is the church? It's you and I, right? It's not a building, it's a people. The church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities and the heavenly places. The word manifold means the multifaceted. So he's saying the multifaceted wisdom of God. It can also mean the multi-diverse wisdom of God. That is that God is breaking down every barrier and uniting together all believers into one body of Christ. Now, what I want you to see is who gets to see this manifold wisdom of God. It's made known to who? The rulers and the authorities and the heavenly places. Well, who are they? Well, I think it's to the angels who wondered what in the world is God doing with this sinful humanity that has only rebelled against him? I mean, they're around the throne. They understand the holiness of God. They understand the righteousness of God. They understand who it is that they are singing to. And look at sinful humanity, yet they are the object of this God's love. So the manifold wisdom of God is expressed in what? He says, the church. So now the angels are beginning to see, oh, now we see. God's wisdom is bringing these sinners back to himself and God's wisdom is uniting them together and God's wisdom is giving them a mission in the world. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But who else is in the heavenly realms? I think when Paul is saying in the heavenly places, he's not just talking about heaven or else he would have ended it at heaven. He's talking about the spiritual realm Well, who else is in the spiritual realm? Well, Satan and his enemies. So we apply the same thought. The manifold wisdom of God is displayed amongst the devil and his demons. So together, the angels are going, look at the church. And Satan and his demons are going, oh, look at the church. Beloved, the manifold wisdom of God is on display for everyone in the heavenly realms and that you and I, as a part of the church, we're a part of the manifold wisdom of God. The angels are led to praise God more. The Satan and his demons are led to shake in their boots. And we ought to live life in light of that. So God's plan isn't our plan, but God's plan is to preach the gospel. Finally, the third truth is about our new plan, is that God's plan cannot be stopped. I want you to follow me real quickly. Verses 11 through 13. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. I want to point out, and if you circle or you write in your Bible, I want you to circle or underline or highlight the words eternal purpose in your Bible. Eternal, meaning without time, timeless. And the eternality of God is timeless in both directions. Here's what I mean by that. God has no beginning and God will have no end. He is eternal. He sits outside of time. He is not bound by time, right? He is eternal in both directions. We can begin to wrap our minds around the future eternality, like we get to live with him forever in eternity. We can kind of begin to wrap our minds around that. But that God has always existed, I mean, that's a little hard for us to understand, right? Because in our minds, in our finite thinking, everything has a beginning and everything has an end. Well, God is God and he sits outside of those things. He sits outside of that attribute. So he's eternal in both directions. So that's when he says the eternal purpose, he's talking about the the purpose that extends in both directions. The word translated as purpose actually means a setting forth. What is that? It's a plan. So when you read purpose, think plan. So what Paul is saying and what he's teaching about is all of this was happening according to the eternal plan of God. Eternally moving all the way back where there is no beginning means that it was a plan from before the beginning of time. And plan moving all the way forward means that it is a plan that will come to be. And so what that means for us is this, is that God is not figuring things out as he goes along. I heard one pastor say that before time ever ticked its first second off the clock, there was a plan established in the heart and mind of God from eternity past. He sought out to accomplish his plan. And because he's God, he will accomplish his plan. And no one or no thing will ever stop him. God's plan cannot be stopped. And here's what that means for us. There is hope and there is peace and there is comfort in knowing that truth. There is nothing that will ever befall you, beloved, that can thwart God's plan for your life. Not a thing. That means there's nothing you can do. Oh yeah, you can... You can take a derail, you can take detours, make life hard and challenging, but God will accomplish his ultimate plan. There's a peace and a comfort that comes from that. When you're needing endurance through hardship, God's eternal plan gives it. When you're wondering if you'll ever have victory, God's his, his eternal plan guarantees it. This is why the early church talked so much about Jesus' second coming. You know, we think that the church, like we, we think that Christians are being persecuted in our day and time. Listen, cancel culture knows nothing about what this first century church has endured, okay? And yet they were enthused. They were hope-filled. Why? Because of the guarantee that Jesus is coming back one day. You and I need to remind each other of that truth often because it will give us fuel to endure whatever comes our 
way. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.